O wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? These words sound like words Martin Luther might have tormented himself repeating as a litany early in his life. Indeed, Luther greatly despaired about how sinful and unworthy man he was to be a monk or a priest. How, absolutely, certain he was that he was unfit to serve God and God's people and how this was reinforced by his father who repeatedly told him what a failure he was. I recently watched a movie about Luther's life and there are many great scenes to this movie, but the one that grabbed me the most was the scene where before he served Mass, Luther lay prostrate on the floor before the cross with his arms outstretched as though on a cross. His face was on the floor with his lips touching the stone floor with just enough room for him to pray. Perhaps, praying that God would deliver him from the body of this death, or at the very least make him worthy enough to serve communion. Luther didn't hate himself, he just knew the truth about himself. The same truth Isaiah was confronted with that morning in the temple where he had gone to prepare for worship. The one place in all of Judah where the symbol of the unity, the majesty and the presence of God living in the midst of God's people seems so certain. There, Isaiah is doing the priestly work I am sure he felt God had called him to do. Until, in the quiet before worship God unexpectedly shows up scaring Isaiah because when God shows up this time it's not in the nice, still voice or the whisper softly spoken. No, this time God fully shows up. He sits on the throne with royal robes flowing down like rushing Adirondack mountain waterfalls and spring completely filling the temple with just the hem. In that moment Isaiah realizes God's sovereignty is real. God's power is real. God's presence is real. God's righteousness and holiness is all too real. In this moment, Isaiah knows there is not a place in the world where God's presence and power does not reach. Even the seraph song confirms this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of the hosts, the whole earth is full of His glory. The threefold holy describing the totality and distinctiveness of God's power and presence in the world. Confronted with such power, righteousness, and holiness of God, Isaiah can only wail, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. The prophet is confronted with his own place in the world. He is confronted with his limitations of vision, of imagination, and knowledge and language of God. His limitations reminding him that however he imagines God or speaks of God or what he knows of God is simply too small, too incomplete. The reality is God is too big, too far beyond his ability of speech or creativity. It is as if the prophet says, I am not holy as the Lord my God is holy. Isaiah know he cannot hide the truth about himself from God, because what the psalmist says is true, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. There is nothing about me that you do not know and there is nothing I can keep secret from you. In this moment of confrontation, Isaiah feels the shame and the guilt of being flawed, vulnerable, and ultimately unworthy. The same unworthiness Peter felt in the aftermath of the amazing catch of fish when he realizes in whose presence he is standing. It is as if he is standing on the very edge of a wide chasm much wider than even the Grand Canyon. On this side is Peter and on the far, far distant side is Jesus, God with us. Peter knows he cannot cross the chasm on his own, nor can he build a bridge to the other side. All he can do is stare at the great distance between himself and God lost in the truth of his shame, guilt and unworthiness. Some of us know what Peter knows about shame. The feeling of not being good enough, of having to prove ourselves worthy of any goodness and knowing we won't quite measure up, of hating ourselves for being unworthy, and of having to be perfect because we know that if people really knew us they would not accept us, care for us, or even love us. In many ways, Isaiah says aloud what many of us think and feel, but keep within the silence of ourselves. I am an unclean person. I am utterly unworthy. Even the Apostle Paul knows he is unworthy to be Christ's representative. He was a persecutor of the church. 
He put people into jail. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. He is the last person anyone would have chosen to do evangelism for Christ's church. Even the apostles and believers in Jerusalem and Antioch and Damascus were wary of him and didn't trust him further than they could throw him, so bad was his reputation. Yet, how does God respond to Isaiah's expression of being this flawed, shamed human person of unworthiness? Is Isaiah sent away from God's presence? Is he told he doesn't belong to God's kingdom? Is he told he should work harder and longer to be perfect and worthy of love? No. Of course, not. God meets Isaiah at the point of his confessed need of mercy by cleansing his lips and taking away his sin and guilt. God takes the initiative by sending the seraphs to cleanse Isaiah's lips with a piece of burning coal from the altar in an act of free grace. In Luke's Gospel, God takes the initiative in an act of grace to close the chasm between us and God by an act of grace through Christ. That's the point of the great catch of fish after the fishermen had fished all night and caught nothing. God takes the initiative. There is nothing Isaiah, Peter, you or I can do or need to do in order to receive God's forgiveness and love. Isaiah, Peter, you and I do nothing. God does everything as a gift of abundant life. As Paul in his letter to the church at Rome says, God has condemned sin and death through Jesus Christ, but does not condemn us. Rather, God frees us in Christ to live as God's sons and daughters through our unity with Christ in the immersion of our lives in the living waters of Christ at our baptism and the immersion of our lives in the living body of Christ in our celebration of Eucharist, the thanksgiving for Christ's self-offering of His body broken and His blood poured out for us. In this unity, we receive life without end in the presence of God. Our shame and our guilt are gone. We do not need to keep reliving our past mistakes, our past history, or to keep trying to prove ourselves perfect and worthy of love. God knows all there is to know about us and says, I love you and I welcome you, home. Like the father in Rembrandt's painting of the return of the prodigal son, God welcomes us home and draws us back into the family as if saying, we have saved your place at the table. Here is where you belong. Or, like the mother in Van Gogh's painting of a mother holding a child on her lap as she gently rocks back and forth, God comforts us, reassures, and holds us close, so we will know we are safe and loved. In God's loving presence, we are free to tell the truth about our lives. In fact, that's exactly what we are doing each week when we pray our confession aloud together then pray our personal confession. We are telling the truth because it is safe to do so here. We are in the one community, outside of maybe a 12-step community, where we can honestly say, woe is me. I am a man, a woman of unclean lips. I am unworthy without it being a guilt trip or used to banish us from the community. We are assured in Christ of God's mercy and unconditional, steadfast love. An assurance I speak every week after our confession because that too is speaking the truth. The truth that it is God's grace which gives us new life by the generous, righteous, holy and loving God, whose beloved children we are. But it doesn't end there. God is near enough that Isaiah hears God ask, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Caught up in the awareness of God's mercy and steadfast love and the transforming power of the Spirit, Isaiah responds, Here I am, send me. Let me go serve you. Let me be your messenger to your people speaking your words of hope to a people you will cleanse, reconcile to yourself and give the gift of life in your presence and peace. Peter, Andrew, James, and John's answer to Jesus' invitation to come, you'll catch people is to simply drop their nets and go. For us living within this transformed life, we too, if we are listening, will hear God calling to us, asking us, whom shall I send? Who will go out for us? Through grace we are empowered to answer faithfully, here I am, send me. Let me be your servant. Let me take your word of generosity, creativity, righteousness, and steadfast love into the world, so all will know the power of your presence and the tranquility and fullness of your peace.